Buttons and bows and pantyhose. I'm your host, Alexander Rodriguez, here for On the Rocks, where celebrities and cocktails mix tonight. From RuPaul's Drag Race, waste, race we have Miss Cynthia Lee Fontaine and her cuckoo. Also, filmmaker Adam Rifkin, writer and director of The Last Movie Star, which marks Burt Reynolds' return to the screen. We have Personal Space web series creator Tom Pike with one of the series' actors, one of our favorites, and BMX pro, by the way, Kurt Yeager from Sons of Anarchy, Quarry, and of course, playing last year's villain in NCIS LA. And my guest co-host, from Amazon Successful People, RTO Daily. Did you like that little Irish accent? Yes. All right. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Raise a glass and let the games begin. Thank you for being Life is a banquet, and most poor suckers are starving to death. I'd like to propose a toast. This is On the Rocks with Alexander, coming at you from Sunset Gower Studios in the heart of Hollywood, where I drink with your favorite celebrities, and we talk about fashion, entertainment, pop culture, reality TV, and, and that's about it. So pop a cork, pour a glass, lean back, and enjoy On the Rocks, every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on Universal Broadcasting Network. Fasten your seatbelts. It is going to be a bumpy night, ladies and gentlemen, and in betweeners. Kurt's already ca- causing problems over here. It's kind of my fault. I have to apologize. I had Persian food for dinner, so if I sweat, it's gonna it's gonna smell like a Turkish bathhouse in here. But they're so good. It's right across the street. Anyway, um, anyway, welcome to the show on the Rockers. Uh, you know you're a bachelor when you have more ketchup packets at home than you have dates or friends, and I experienced that this morning. Why do I take so many ketchup packets? each time and then why do i keep them if the zombie apocalypse happens like i'm gonna have a, i'm gonna be surviving off uh, ketchup yeah. and del taco that's hot sauce food. like that's it. ketchup is food but there's I, nothing else in my kitchen there's literally it's nothing a vegetable else. ketchup is a vegetable <laughs> thank you thank you adam rifkin yeah. but with prego uh i find prego. new i find new cans of because uh, every time <laughs> i want to get spaghetti i think i don't have spaghetti sauce i go buy more spaghetti sauce that happens with and salsa that goes me. right into the back of the fridge i have like 10 of them and and mayonnaise that happens with mayonnaise too oh no no i don't do mayonnaise <laughs> but i do the prego thing i've got four of them in my fridge right now yeah <laughs> Oh, hashtag still single. Yeah. <laughs> Nicely <laughs> aged is what I like to think. Yeah, and and yes. nice aged prego. Mm-hmm. That was a good year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God bless America. Thank you to our sober listeners for tuning in. Thank you. We love you for holding our hair back and driving us home. Don't drink and drive. Take an Uber. Hello to our listeners around the nation on iHeartRadio, Universal Broadcasting Network, Player FM, Stitcher, TuneIn, Satchel, iTunes, Google Play, and of course, we are on Facebook Live right now on Hillcrest Social in San Diego, True FM in Ohio, and nationally on Bear World Magazine. Rawr! Check out my Bear World Magazine weekly articles where I do movie reviews, movie news, and celebrity interviews. This week I wrote about Chris Evans saying goodbye to Captain America. After Avengers 4, he is hanging up his spandex. Spandex I will be bidding for on <laughs> eBay. Not because I'm a Marvel fan. Um, Wait, was that an announcement? I yeah, he's, heard that. he's done. He's done skis. Everyone else is still in, but yeah. he's like, no, no I'm going to play maybe. the first Latino Captain America. Which <laughs> <laughs> in Trump's era, it's very interesting. I like to be in America. <laughs> It's, you know, because they're rebooting yeah. and multicultural <laughs> diversity. Captain Latin America. Captain. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Oh, anyway, also the Spice Girls are returning to the big screen, but in an animated movie. Then they're not returning. No, but I guess their new faces are not animated enough. <gasps> oh. oh. You guys, I have like writers in here. 
<laughs> Literally, I get no applause. We're like 10 minutes late starting the show, but we we got the crickets. Oh, how dare you? I feel you. like he needs a gasp sound effect. Like a... <gasps> <laughs> That's my mom when I bring somebody new home. <laughs> Sorry, mom. Uh, for our audio listeners, you can check out our video stream on Facebook, On The Rocks Radio Show, YouTube. We're now on YouTube. Uh, look at the shows there. And the Hillcrest Social app, of course, has all of our streaming video for free. And if you download Hillcrest Social, they do concert ticket giveaways, product giveaways, and a lot more. We're also working on some projects. Also, we are coming to Spotify uh, mid-month and also Alexa. So if you're at home, Whoa. you can say, Alexa, I want to hear On The Rocks. And, and she'll just play you? Yes. <laughs> not, not willingly. She'll be like, are you sure? <laughs> but I will be there. Uh, Kurt, uh, Kurt with a C, how, how are you? Do you have a pun for us? I, oh, boy. I, oh, I, this I, is my least favorite part of the show. Go ahead, Kurt. I always have puns for you. Oh, God, he's so punny. <laughs> yeah. uh, what did the, the grape say when it, when it got stepped on? Oh, I know this one, actually. Uh, Nothing. It let out a little wine. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you do not get laughter for you. No. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love I've used that joke for years. No. So I, Adam is literally back. texting his, his, his PR rep, what is happening? <laughs> you said this was Conan again. <laughs> uh, like us on Twitter and Instagram at On The Rocks On Air. Facebook again, On The Rocks Radio Show. Subscribe to us on YouTube, like I said, on the web, on the rocksradioshow.com, where you can listen to all of our shows there. Send me an email. Book me for a wedding, funeral, quinceanera, bris. I don't care. I will show up. Info at on the rocksradioshow.com. Want to be part of On The Rocks? We are coming to you on the road. This summer, we are hosting out at the fair at California State Fair in Sacramento, San Diego County Fair, and New Mexico State Fair in Albuquerque. And I've never been, and I'm hosting a full day on the main stage with free vodka. Yikes. We kick off June 9th at Core Stage in San Diego uh, for San Diego County Fair. Did it last year. It was so much fun. Check out outatthefair.com for more information. A number of our On The Rocks musicians <coughs> will be performing. Um, and it's eight hours of me on stage. <clears throat> Thursday, April 12th, come join me at Santa Ana College as I host Dragucation. I will not be in drag because we have some drag superstars, including uh, Wilhelmina Caviar and Nomi B, just to name a few. Uh, go to sac.edu for more information, 7 p.m. And then Friday the 13th, I will be performing some cabaret burlesque songs at the Roar Room in L.A. <coughs> for their Witches and Burlesque Night. This is their first time they're doing it. It's burlesque performed by actual psychics and witches. And they're what? sexy, too. Yeah. Psychic witches. Psychic witches. They, and they're doing tarot card readings and all that, and I'm singing, like, show tunes. That'd be real fun. Uh, so <laughs> Wait, so the that. psychics aren't doing the burlesque. They're yeah. not, like, doing, like... <laughs> no, they are. You like, laugh, I knew it was are. under there. <laughs> <laughs> no, they literally are performing. They're doing, like, like the Vita or Dita Von Tess. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm talking I, to the gay guy I, here. Yeah. The, the Dita Von Tess, like, burlesque stuff. But, yeah. That's and, and I'm gonna, unique. I'm going to be singing sh songs from Kevin. Awesome. Go figure. Anyways, yeah. check it out. It should be a lot of fun. <clears throat> coming up on the show, we have the guys behind the room, disaster artists, uh, Tommy Wiseau and Greg Sestero coming in to chat. I don't even know what to expect from, from that chat. Wow. It's going to be crazy. That's going to be crazy. Right. Uh -huh. It's going to be crazy. Because their film, Best Friends, comes out this week. Uh, they're having a premiere at the Egyptian Theater. You know the Egyptian Theater very well. I do indeed. <laughs> a big opening you had. How come I was not on the invite list, by the way? That is a great question. Uh, Bert texted me. He's like, where are you? I said, Bert, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, also coming 
coming in, we have producer and director Bradley Bredewig from The Fosters, and of course he's producing the new Stephen Schwartz musical show on ABC. We have the funny Indian actors. You don't know their names, but you've seen them in everything. We have Parvish China coming on uh, with Rizwan Manji, and uh, he was he's in Schitt's Creek. It's you, They're so funny. Also, the return of funny lady, uh, double Emmy, uh, Emmy nominee last year, Mindy Sterling from Austin Powers is coming in. She's raising money again uh, for her uh, for her cause, American Red Cross. Um, also, Varla Jean Merman is coming in uh, from the East Coast. Is coming in. She's in Palm Springs for a month, and we have her one of the days. Also, to spice things up, we have the drummer from Crazy Town. Come, come, my lady. Come, come. Yeah. yeah. You guys, the drummer's coming in. Every nice. time like a drummer from like legit rock band comes in, <laughs> you think your reactions are odd? You should see them. They're like, what's happening? <laughs> At least I get... Don't, you know, at least, at least I get that. All right, let me introduce my bestie for the night. RTO Daily was raised in the armpit of Southern California, a little place called Diamond Bar. No offense to your it's Diamond nice. Barians. Yeah, no, it's it nice. Is. It is nice. Actually. No realtor has ever used that in the. In the in my neighborhood was nice. Mm. I'll tell you that. Are there nice parts in Diamond? Yes, there's this yeah. huge neighborhood called it's, the Country. It's yeah. like gated and it's up on the horses. hill. And, yeah. You know it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is this true? Absolutely. Yes. Maybe I went to the different. There's deer and horses. And oh, it's... I went to a bar called the Diamond Bar. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. With the sawdust on the floor. Yes. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Legless strippers. <laughs> Woo! Got me going. Snoop Dogg literally lives in this neighborhood. Oh, you know, this close. Yes. Actually, I'm telling you. I made it to nice. the final casting of his new game show. They what didn't pick me. Go figure. <laughs> What's the game show called? Uh, it's it's the Joker's Wild. It's the reboot oh, of the shit. '70s show. And, and he's Snoop the host Dogg of it. Rebooting yeah, he's the host. Wow. <gasps> Second season. It's already been. You guys have to watch it. It's so funny. Clearly. But I think I was a little much for them. <laughs> well. <laughs> They're like, do you smoke pot? I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Artie's dreams of, of Hollywood stardom started as a youth visiting the sets of such shows as The Love Boat, Dynasty 2, The Colbys, and of course, Perfect Strangers. During his time at California State University, yes, folks, he's educated. No, folks, it was not online. He wrote, produced, <laughs> and starred in two original musicals while earning his SAG card like any other good little actor as a background actor on some of your favorite shows in the early 2000s, Will and Grace, ER, Buffy, uh, The Vampire Slayer, and whatever else was popular. Yeah. Uh, he has gone on to be that guy who played that part on that show for that one episode. Oh, that guy. <laughs> I'm not even kidding you. You guys, the list goes on and on. Modern Family, Silicon Valley, The Odd Couple, Scorpion, Big Bang Theory, Scandal, Grey's Anatomy, Castle, Chuck, Pushing Daisies, Veronica Mars, Gilmore Girls, uh, with a reoccurring on The Haunted Hathaways, and of course, Scrubs. Uh, and every time I see you on TV, I get a little <laughs> I know him. Uh, he's the co-star and co-writer of the popular short form comedy series, Successful People on Amazon. That's the classy way to say web series, by yes, the way. Short form comedy. See, Tommy, that's what yeah, A yeah. digital series. Digitally altered for your pleasure. <laughs> I do like that. Uh, but it's successful people on Amazon. Uh, season two, uh, which was featured on Amazon's trending TV list uh, the week of its release. It is so good. We played Thank the you. trailer from it. Yeah. It is so, and it's it's one that you can watch over and over again. Yeah. And it has some great uh, some great cameos, some great parts. But you were really funny. Um, he is also uh, he also created the comedic digital series um, How to Get Featured <laughs> on Deadline which which true to its name uh, had an episode featured on Deadline's homepage all of them every week they put them up there for us Awesome. I know they were nice, nice people. You, Jay Penske. You, you work hard. I have to say, you you hustle. Uh, check out his latest short film, Bad Boys, which went viral in the first week it was released. Um, on stage, he recently performed, and this is how we met. In Stan Zimmerman, who was a writer for Gilmore Girls, Roseanne, and Golden Girls, who was on our show many many times. He directed Pledge in Hollywood, and that was your second time doing that yeah. role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He played a straight guy so well, I ignored him at the cast party. <laughs> <laughs> like, who cares? Who cares? I mean, it's been a back and forth for like weeks. Like you're not actually gay. You yeah. have to be straight. 
because of this play. Can I can I say something real quick? So Ray, you're the guest. I know. I thought you looked familiar. Yes. No, you're I going. swear to God. Okay, I, but I don't know where I saw you. But Probably I that scene on the show that but one I, time. I know, <laughs> but I know, but I, but you, you mentioned all those things that he's been in. I know I must have seen some of them. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. he was that guy. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, he was that. You were that guy in that show. Yes. Let's take a look at a few of our Yes, Is that really something that you have queued up? Yes, of course. That's my demo reel. That's how we do it. Boom. Five second rule. Did he try to make a pass at you, by the way? One of you lovelies is Claire. Gee. Oh, great. Just give me the quick version, okay? 90 minutes. You got it, huh? Okay. Uh, let go of my tie. You're not getting any looser. Oh, I wonder why. Oh, hey, are you sitting here? What the fuck does it look like? <laughs> Sorry. You didn't tell us who he was inviting to the meeting. You just said it was a bunch of us. I saw this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a few more for this round. Have you seen Keenan yet? I don't know who that is. They are there protecting my civilians from illegal nuclear weapons. <laughs> We're the National Association of Theater Owners. <laughs> we want the NATO on Pico. <laughs> <laughs> that is just a brief that goes on and on and on. on, and on, and on. But literally, I see you on TV all the time. Yeah. I see you on TV more than you hang out with me. But no. What? Okay. We just okay. met. Okay. <laughs> so? Wait, wait, wait. You guys then. just met and you're the co-host? What? No, he, 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 Alex. He's done the show. Alex. That's how I roll. What about me? <laughs> I'll hold him back if he You actually had projects to talk about. <laughs> he has to put me in this chair. Well, it's an awkward first encounter where I was quite smitten with Kurt, but <clears throat> anyway, that's how that goes. Uh, but Bad Boys, uh, you released Bad it. Bad Boy, and, yeah. And, and Bad Boy, and uh, it went viral, and it took you by Great. surprise. I mean, I mean, moderately viral. I mean, we, we put this short film, it's like a five-minute-long short that I shot with a buddy because he's new in town and wanted something where he's playing a bad playing a bad boy to put on his demo reel. I'm like, all right, something, we'll shoot something, let's put it up. Thought we'd get like 50 views, and it's up to 150,000 now. Nice. Because for some reason, well, I know the reason. Gay guys think it's like porn, and it's not. <laughs> but he's like hot in the picture, and it says bad boy. So all these gay guys are commenting like, this is not what I thought it would be, but I like it. <laughs> no, but your, your, your comedic timing is so good. Thanks. Um, and you book so many of these auditions for these big shows. What are your top tips on how to fail an audition. Well, I could tell you some things I've done to fail an audition. I would love to hear them. Just like ask for successive takes like over and over again. They're like, I think we got it. I'm like, I think I can do one more. Just give me one more. I've done that. Uh, I've misread the casting director's vibe and given her a hug on the way in. Oh no. That's not something that? you do, right? Right. But she seemed to be like into it. Not that way. But she was like, oh my God, it's good to see you. I was like, good to see you. We've never met. And we embraced. And I'm like, this is so weird. I've never been back to that office. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, never, 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 never. Never, um, never. And I've also just rehearsed it so much that, that I don't even pay attention to what they're doing, and that's a beginner's mistake, you know? <laughs> that's hot. When Tim Bagley was on the show, he stopped up the toilet at one of his big auditions <gasps> and, like, stopped it up to, it was a big mess. Didn't get it. Well, no, no. Yeah, don't use the restroom when you are there. Just don't, don't. don't hug. No. <laughs> Many years she ago. She seemed like she wanted to. There's Ma a web many, series in this there, there is. Many years ago, I went <laughs> out for an Orchard Supply hardware like commercial oh way back in the day. And like they actually had dirt in there that you could grab. So it's like, you have to grab the hoe and then talk about this and go with it. And then grab the dirt. And the second I grabbed the dirt, all the dialogue went out of my mind. I was like... <laughs> 
dirt. <laughs> right. like, Let me try that again. All right, here at Orchard Supply, we have hose, rakes, and everything dirt. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't do it, and I never went back to that office. It looks like, it looks like you're cradling your yeah, skull or something. I couldn't do it. <laughs> Don't I, give Kurt any props. So, <laughs> so, dirt. This, so this dirt. toilet thing, though, that's got to be a recurring problem, because I was casting something once, and the place that I was casting had a sign over the toilet that said, please stop flushing the brown paper towel. There's oh toilet paper right oh. here. Like, how often does that problem come up it, that they need to must, hang a sign? It must. This must be a common thing that we need to tell I'm aspiring <laughs> actors not to do. Don't stop up the toilets when you're having an audition. Pro tip Pro from tip. someone who's been on the other side of that table. <laughs> Just go it. to the bathroom before you go to the casting office. Oh, that doesn't work. This is I, I always do. <laughs> the moment I get there. This is some classy behind-the-scenes talk, by the way. Very, yeah, very classy. Right. Let's introduce our first guest, Cynthia Lee Fontaine, better known as Cuckoo won the hearts of fans during season 8 of reality competition show Sweeping the Nation on mainstream TV now on VH1 RuPaul's Drag Race a waste you did it again I do that I can't hold dirt or say waste (laughs) because I don't see waste I see people okay (laughs) Uh, where she garnered Miss Congeniality Award or Cuckoo Geniality as she jokingly refers to herself it's that amazing energy and genuine heart radiating from uh, Cynthia that caught Mama RuPaul's eye and earned herself a second chance at RuPaul's Drag Race, was invited uh, back for season nine, only second queen in her street to be invited back. And coincidentally, Cynthia was also given a second chance as life at life as well. Uh, currently in remission after surviving stage one liver cancer. Uh, great story, great story. A Puerto Rico native uh, from a military family, she spent time in the Republic of Panama, New York City while growing up, and now resides in Austin, Texas. Coming out next month uh, to uh, California, by the way. Prior to Drag uh, Race, she worked as an outreach a worker and peer support specialist at the Community AIDS Resource and Education Program, which is the CARE program in Austin, Texas, holds a bachelor's degree in clinical psychology with a minor in human sexuality and is a mental health technician. Who knew? Um, sexy and funny on stage uh, she has an amazing voice she was trained as an opera singer you guys and possesses one of the strongest vibratos in captivity kind of like a pink meets Judy Garland Ooh. it's awesome currently raising money on her Kickstarter which you have to go support uh, for her new album with lots of great stuff being planned let's take a look at Cynthia's uh, moments on RuPaul yes dare I Hola. say that we are crazy for Cuckoo puffs. <laughs> Hello. Does this gonna involve your cuckoo at all? Hi, how you got it? Yeah. <laughs> There's cuckoo for everybody, guys. Do not have to fight, okay? Yes, honey. I've got a lovely bunch of cuckoo nuts. Thank you, thank all you, right, Mama Rupa. Bye, cuckoo. I am so grateful. We all had a chance for a second helping of cuckoo. Larry's amores. Cuckoo! <laughs> <laughs> we love. Please welcome to the show, Miss Cynthia Lee Fontaine. Hola, mi amor. Hola. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing great. Can you hear me and see me? Yes. Yes. <laughs> you get a little bit closer to the microphone. So, Miss Cynthia Lee Fontaine, a clinical psychology degree. Who knew? Did that help you in dealing with the other queens on the show? Yeah, of course. I mean, you with those crazy personalities and characters everywhere in the workroom. Yeah. Now, the question I got asked over and over is, what is the actual filming? How long are you guys filming? Are you guys sequestered? Do you have to live together? Like, what's going on? Well, um, the filming for RuPaul Drag Race, is, it takes about a month and a half. Oh, my God. And uh, you sign a contract for confidentiality to stay in a hotel 
and they provide all the transportation all the way to the studio. So you film all the episodes for RuPaul Drag Race in a, yeah, in a month and a half, in a month and two weeks, actually. Now, do you guys do have like a challenge and then you have a day off and then another challenge? Or how quick were the challenges? Because it's exhausting. Well, it's it's not about the challenges at all. It's about the episode. Okay. For example, like the first episode for All Star Season 9 for the gymnastic craziness. Yeah. Um, that everybody was injured. <laughs> I had that myself. Um, it, we took like maybe probably three to four days to film that episode. Okay. So, I mean, we can start filming one episode on Tuesday and then on Friday we finished. And then like, um, they were very nice on season nine. They have like two days off each week. But for season eight, in comparison, it was just only one day or a half day. Mm. And then you continue filming it all the entire rest of the sequel of the episode as well. So it's like kind of crazy. Now, what did you guys do on your days off? Like, did you hang out together? Did you watch TV together? No, 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 no. This is what happened. We don't have interaction with the other girls. Oh my the God. The are off. They want all the drama and they want everything to reveal <clears throat> and show in front of the camera with the camera is on. So what they do, it's like they do a schedule on the weekends that mostly was the days that we have off. And we go to the gym at the hotel, and we go to the pool at the hotel. They have scheduled for hours. So oh, it's like prison. Breaks. Wow, it's like prison. Now, did any of the girls it hook? Is. Okay. It's prison for Dre, actually. <laughs> <laughs> the, only thing, the only thing, honey, is that you don't have the gambans. <laughs> oh, Cynthia Lee Fontaine, this is a classy show. You are crazy. I love your personality. You have such a positivity. And this question I got asked from many of your fans, you've had you've had second chance in many ways. First on the show, coming back for another season. Also in your life, fighting cancer. And it's not just a little cancer oh. a scare. Like It was a big battle that, uh, that crippled you emotionally, <clears throat> mentally. What do you attribute uh, your strength and your optimism to? And was that instilled to you growing up in, in your childhood? You know what, to be very honest, I think like maybe probably my biggest motivation is my faith. What I learned from my parents. Um, my family is, um, part of my family is Catholic from Puerto Rico, but part of my family, it's Adventist, Seventh-day Adventist Church. Oh, interesting. But I do believe even if those religious denominations, they do not um, support in a certain way our lifestyle, it impact and influence my life to be as uh, my faith strong faith and strong motivation to myself and a strong spirit and uh, also um i do believe my parents and my grandma um oh. uh, like my two my two grandma one unfortunately passed away seven months ago and the other one still living in puerto rico at the center of the island and they always show me in the morning like you should be grateful you should do your prayers but it wasn't not a routinary habit it was something that i was feeling um, it, it was the opening door for every day to have some something positive. Even if you wake up in the morning cranky, even if you wake up in the morning like not so happy, you got that opportunity to open up for the universe and for the spiritual energy to come and have a better day. And as far as I have life and health, because you know, guys, the obstacles and inconveniences that I faced in the past like two years with my liver cancer, yeah, um, I still stand. And I still dreaming and I still working and pursuing for my dreams. So that's, I think those are the big influence for big motivation for me to continue pursuing for my dreams and still happy and positive all the time. 
I love it. Well, your fans certainly, certainly love you and support you. What did you learn most from uh, from doing Drag Race? What are the biggest uh, lessons that you walked away with? Well, you know what? I think like um, what I learned is that I'm capable to do everything in my life. Um, I mean, who thought before that drag like drag queen is going to be mainstream? That's right on VH1, by the way. Yes, and well, I experienced Lego which I'm very grateful with Lago, and then the H1, I'm right. grateful with the TV network, that they gave up this opportunity and this platform for so many drag queens in the world, and here in the United States of America, to show their talent in a TV show, you yeah. know? Mm -hmm. um, but the thing is, like, you know, I do believe what I learned from the show, it's like, how beautiful I look on high definition. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Dev baby. You make it look good, girl, I have to say. Um, and fans love meeting you in, you know, in, in person. Sometimes we hear that some of the queens don't like meeting people or spending time with them. Uh, your fans have nothing but great things to say. Okay, Miss Cynthia Lee Fontaine, you are on a mission. You are currently in the final days of your Kickstarter campaign. Can you believe it? Ay, 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 ay! I know, I'm very excited. Um, actually, like, this is not my first musical production. Right. Back in the days, 1998, I used to did um, two um, gospel productions because I, I, I was a very like um, active member of the Seventh-day Adventist Church like right. before my influence. So, and then I wow. remember it was cassette. <laughs> <laughs> On cassette. I was telling all America and South America. And now have the opportunity to bring that positiveness in my music production. And in drag, for me, it's a dream come true. Why? Because I think like I fusion my performing art skills, me <laughs> as, a, as, a, as a singer, like the beautiful introduction you guys like did to me right now when we start this conversation with interview. And also me showing another perspective of me as a singer, as an opera singer, as a pop singer too, and a, a, of course representing the Hispanic community. It's <clears throat> incredible. So I'm very excited about this Kickstarter project, Music of My Life. I, I love it. Now, do you think drag queens should be required to sing for themselves, to sing live? To be very honest, there's nothing required um, on the art of female impressionation. Or okay, interesting. I'm doing that because I have something special and extraordinary to offer. However, I'm not the only drag queen that sings live. Mm -hmm. We have a great list of, mm -hmm. of great and amazing entertainers, you know what I mean? Lip Synca, one of my biggest inspirations in drag. Kathy LaFontaine from Puerto Rico. Alaska, um, Adore Delano. Even like we, I have a friend that I love, she's from San Antonio. She's competing in American um, Idol. Her name is Ada Box from San Antonio. I mean, we have great and amazing yeah. and like influence and talent right now so far that they utilize the performing arts skills, for example, singing, we combine with her drag queen character. I do believe everybody has their own space and their own platform to show and express themselves the best that they can, and especially utilizing drag queen and the character. That is beneficial. We need to show to the world that the drag queens girl, we're talented, we're sickening, and we have a brain. <laughs> <laughs> and a good cuckoo. <laughs> and of course, a cuckoo. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for spending time with us. I did an interview, a written interview for Barreled Magazine, and I think that comes out Thursday. Uh, but tell our listeners uh, where they can follow you and where they can contribute to the Kickstarter. $5, $10, whatever you, you can give. You already have it. Kurt Yeager already has it up. Yeah. Awesome. Tell our uh, Absolutely. viewers. Yeah. Um, the, 
the link of my Kickstarter is on my Instagram, Cynthia Lee Fontaine. And actually, all my social media, you can find me as Cynthia Lee Fontaine, okay? And the name of a Kickstarter, if you're part of Kickstarter pro, um, profile, it's Music of My Life by Cynthia Lee Fontaine. And also, I'm going to be more than happy to receive donations. And I'm also so happy to, to receive nudes. Yeah. <laughs> nude pictures. No, Kurt Yeager is sending you a nude, nude picture right now. Yeah, I want to say something real quick. Yeah. Para la comunidad hispana, lo quiero muchísimo. Por favor, apoyen este Broadcasting Network. Están escuchando. Hay varios grupos en Facebook que están escuchando. Report Drag Race Memes. Eh, grupos de Brasil están escuchando esta entrevista. Los quiero muchísimo. Obrigada. Love you guys. Thank you for your love and support. Thank you so much, Cynthia Lee Fontaine. And I hope to see you next month when you're out in California. It's gonna be fun. Yes. Yeah. I, 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 I. Fuck you. You guys. Fuck you. And touch your cuckoo. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Cynthia You guys. I love you guys. Thank you for interview. So give up one martini in West Hollywood, which is like 12 bucks, 14 bucks, whatever. And please donate to this Kickstarter. There's a lot of Kickstarter out there, but uh, her voice is amazing, by the way. What a great personality, too, un under all of that. Yeah. All right. Uh, a quick shout out to our sponsors. Uh, Test Loop. Test Loop is the only way to travel from L.A. to Orange County, Palm Springs, Las Vegas, uh, and San Diego. You get to ride in a Test Loop. Rides start as low as $29. You guys, it's so affordable. And I love riding with them. I'm taking them next week to Palm Springs. Uh, pride Shoes. Your Pride apparel for all Pride season coming up. Go to PrideShoes.com. And, of course, Panache Optical Gallery that does all of the luxury eyeglasses, retro frames, custom frames, new frames, any type of frames. Uh, and, of course, Mulholland Stilling, which is our celebrity alcohol brought to us by Mr. Walton Goggins and of course Joanna Cassidy and Kurt Yeager you're joining me for drinks after with Joanna Cassidy right? Yes I am. Yeah we're literally meeting <laughs> Joanna Cassidy right after the show uh, so Mulholland Distilling it's the spirit of Los Angeles made in Los Angeles good times and bad all will drink if not water then make it Mulholland Distilling go to MulhollandDistilling.com thank you so much for alcohol alright let's get this show on the road Adam Rifkin that's me yes you guys uh, I'm, I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm a huge fan. Writer-director uh, whose career ranges from family comedies to thought-provoking indies to cult classics. Most recently, uh, hitting all of the media outlets this, this week, uh, his film The Last Movie Star, which is a drama, and it's, it's so nuanced and so touching, starring screen legend and Adam's childhood hero, Burt Reynolds, his return nice. to the screen. You guys have never seen such a raw nuanced performance as this you've never seen Burt Reynolds like this um, also in the film is uh, Ariel Winter of course from Modern Family Chevy Chase um, and uh, uh, Hairspray's uh, Nikki Blonsky uh, but the whole media scene for the last week from appearances on the Today Show The Talk Watch What Happens Live Conan to uh, Paper Magazine Maxim Magazine Entertainment Weekly and the New York Times uh, the film received uh, critical acclaim at the Tribeca Film Festival and it is releasing in just a few days we're literally days nice. away three days right Friday, that's uh, right. Friday, Friday, you guys have to watch it. Um, he also directed Director's Cut. Uh, it's a meta thriller penned by iconic illusionist and comedian Penn Gillette of Penn and Teller. And you guys have to see some of the pictures uh, that are out there from the set. <laughs> um, also, his film Giuseppe Makes a Movie uh, is, a, is a documentary about trailer park filmmaker Giuseppe Andrews uh, and the misfit family of homeless people that he assembled to perform in his, in his movies. That's right. Holds a coveted 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, you guys. Oh. And previously, he wrote and directed the award-winning uh, film Look, a series for Showtime, the standalone eleven-episode limited series enjoying the highest ratings in its time uh, in its time slot in Showtime's history. Um, and he received cult status uh, with the Dark Backward, uh, which is 
a, a story about a comic who grows a third arm with Bill Paxton, Wayne Newton, <coughs> Judd Nelson, Rob Lowe, James Caan, and Laura Finn, uh, Flynn Boyle, uh, named one of the top ten films of the year by New York Post. And of course, my personal favorite, I watched this movie probably about 21 times, I'm not even kidding, uh, directed Detroit Rock City, which is uh, a cult classic uh, that continues to speak of generations of rock fans around the world. I love that film. If you haven't seen it, you need to download it, rent it, whatever. Natasha Lyonne, um, Eddie Furlong before he went crazy, Shannon Tweed, and the incomparable uh, Lynn Shay. What a great cast. What a great film. Uh, as an A-list screenwriter, uh, he has a penchant for family fare, which is like... <laughs> Shift it. Uh, he wrote Underdog for Walt Disney Studios, uh, a tentpole uh, tent comedy based on the iconic 1960s cartoon show Zoom, starring Tim Allen, two hits for DreamWorks, Mouse Hunt, which I loved, which also had Nathan Lane. That's right. Uh, <laughs> and Small Soldiers, which didn't have Nathan Lane because he's not very small. Uh, his next foray into family entertainment is Peeps. That's right. Which is like a Lego movie-esque type look at... at the peeps Starring candies. peeps, yeah. I love you, but I hate peeps so much. I hate them <laughs> so much. They give me nightmares. Uh, you guys, welcome to the show. Adam Rifkin. We're so excited. Thank you. Ooh. Happy to be here. Also joining the show, we have Kurt Yeager returning the show. I think this is like your fourth or fifth time. Yeah. Born and raised in San Francisco, he is a man of many talents and motivations. As a BMX writer, uh, he gained the nickname Crowbar. Sorry, ladies, it's just a nickname. <laughs> His experiences took him to the X Games, and he's currently the record holder as the only amputee rider who has landed a backflip. And you got to check out some of the footage on YouTube and the pictures. It is astounding. Uh, Kurt uh, was in a horrible accident, um, went over a 40-foot embankment on the freeway. His left leg was amputated below the knee. Numerous ligaments were torn. His pelvis was torn in half, along with his bladder. Seven vertebrae were broken. His lungs collapsed. Multiple ribs were broken. And uh, last but not least, uh, a little bit of a concussion. <laughs> One year later, he made a full recovery, returning to his acting career. Widely recognized as Greg the Peg. Again, just, just a name. <laughs> On the FX original series, of course, Sons of Anarchy. Uh, recent credits include Quarry, which if you guys, we were just talking about it. It wasn't Cinemax. It's only going to be one season of the show. It was such a good show. Uh, Kurt does not play a nice man at all, but it's so good and it's, oh, I love it. And of course, NCIS LA last year in a bizarre character arc that the ratings, you save that show, the ratings jump through the roof <laughs> and the show was saved um, and then you left. Uh, <laughs> and of course, who can forget Piranaconda? Piranaconda, you guys. Creature uh, features. Yes. <laughs> also, uh, Night Fight along Rob Lowe, Warflowers opposite Christina Ricci, uh, and Dolphin Tale with Morgan Freeman and Ashley Judd. Uh, also featured in the music video for Rudimentals Waiting All Night. As an activist, he's supported so many organizations, I can't even list them all. And last year, he ran the entire Empire State Building in New York on behalf of Challenged Athletes Foundation, CAF. And he is a real-life superhero. Uh, you just started, you stopped filming a, a film in England, you came back, and then you left, like, days after to help uh, the hurricane victims in Puerto Rico. You guys, his uh, his story of, of that journey is on his Instagram videos, meeting the people, but you were like in the trenches. It wasn't like Hollywood coming to be superheroes. Like you literally were there without power, in the mud, in the trenches. And of course, in the recent uh, California fires, he was literally on the front lines <laughs> helping his neighbors keep their homes. Welcome, uh, my straight <laughs> boyfriend, Kurt Yeager. <laughs> Also, Dang, last but thing. certainly not least. Yeah, I can't help but notice it's like this guy made a movie with Burt Reynolds. This guy's been on loads of TV shows. This guy was BMX superstar. And then it's like, hey, I made stuff on the internet. No, <laughs> but this is what entertainment so, like, we're, is we're about. Up with me. Yeah. We have so That's many, great. so no many way. different awesome, aspects. Man. And of course, you know, getting some great stars uh, for your web series too. We're going to talk about like how, yeah. how. Right. Uh, Tom Pike. So Kurt is here to promote Personal Space, which is a web series. And co creator Tom Pike is here, screenwriter from Pittsburgh, graduated from Carnegie 
Mellon uh, University with a degree in creative writing. While there, he edited one of the campus papers for three years and met the individuals who would later become the cast and crew of his project, Echo Chamber. He is a Webby-winning writer who never grew out of the face of childhood, which I love, obsessed with spaceships and dinosaurs. Like, that's my childhood, too. Um, His feature script, Emperor Norton, ranked in the top ten in its category in the 2015 Final Draft competition. His latest creation, Personal Space, is sci-fi meets Bravo TV, which I love, when which astronauts aboard a generation ship have no idea their therapy sessions are broadcast to Earth as reality TV. I love it. It features Richard Hatch, of course, from Battlestar Galactica fame, Tim Russ from Star Trek, who's done the show, by the way, oh, cool. and, of course, raising the hotness level, uh, our very own Kurt Yeager. Please welcome Tom Pike. Okay, so we have so much to talk about. Getting actors to buy into your projects, Adam... Burt Reynolds. Yes. You know, sometimes meeting your childhood heroes is not a good thing. I've had that happen, but not with Burt Reynolds. Which is so odd. You know, Burt comes to the table with a certain energy you expect from him. In fact, uh, one of his episodes on Golden Girls is one of my favorite, and he played sure. Burt Reynolds. Yeah. Now, the film, and you guys uh, uh, have to see it, it's such a fine line of real life and him, and then seeing him not like we've seen Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds has his age. He's 82 years old. That's right. And he has such a grace on the screen, but as well as such a vulnerability, which we sometimes don't want to see from our from our macho men right. heroes. Well, that was the whole idea behind the movie. You know, like you said, I he, when I was growing up, Burt was my hero. Mm-hmm. And when he was the biggest movie star in the world, he was the definition of the virile, macho man. I mean, the hairy chest, the mustache, everything. Everything, and and I just thought he was the coolest guy, the funniest guy. He, I mean, there's nobody that's more that was more is more famous today than he was then, you know. Um, but t- I just fantasized that that we would be friends one day. That's all I wanted out of life was be friends with Burt Reynolds, and and I always felt that he was um, underappreciated as an actor. Right. He's a great actor, but his his fame overshadowed his acting. And so, but if you, you know, people think of sort of the more comedic action Mm -hmm. films uh, when they think of Burt Reynolds. But when you think of performances in Deliverance Mm. or The Longest Yard or, I mean, he was nominated for an Oscar for Boogie Nights, which was in, you know, a few years later. He's a brilliant actor. And I wanted to create, first of all, I wanted to give something back to Burt for all the years of joy he had given me for so many years. Uh, That's why I wanted to write a movie for him. Uh, And I wanted to create a role that would remind people that he's a brilliant artist. And I also felt that if, you know, because I wanted the movie to be about aging and I wanted to be the, mo- uh, uh, the movie to be about how fast the years go by. And I felt that if he was willing to play his age and to embrace that vulnerability and to embrace the idea that here he was the most virile specimen of male at one time, and now he is a frail older man, if he was willing to dive into that, I think it could be very poignant, specifically because it's him playing the role and what he brings to that table. So I wrote the script, never having met him. I rolled the dice. I just thought it, I, that's the only way I can, it's worth, worth the, uh, in, the investment of time to me. That's a big gamble. Seriously. And, and I submitted it to his manager and I said, please tell Bert that if he doesn't want to do this film, I'm not making it. And I meant it. And when you, you know, you've seen the movie, you know it can't be anybody else. It no. has to be Burt Reynolds. So he said, listen, I'll tell that to Burt, but I can't promise you what he's going to say. I mean, Burt does what he wants to do. The next day, I get a call from Burt Reynolds. Oh, my God. My he- childhood hero. 
And it, I never get starstruck. I've been out here doing what I do for a little while. When I recognized his voice, yeah. it blew my mind. And he, he said to me, you know, this hits very close to home. Because it's a character based on mm-hmm. a Burt Reynolds-like figure. So close. Especially that scene in the, in, the, right. in the stadium where he's reminiscing about his sports life and all that. Yeah, because Burt played for Florida State, football yep. for Florida State. Um, so I, I, uh, he said to me, this hits very close to home. This is going to be tough stuff for me to face. And I thought as he was talking, he was going to politely yeah. uh, uh, decline right. the role. But I thought, what a nice gesture to call me and personally say no thank you and as he's talking suddenly i start because i'm just thinking to myself oh my god i'm talking about reynolds that's all i can think about <laughs> you know eventually i start to realize he's he's maybe not going to pass on the project and he said you know if you had passed me if you had if you had sent me this script 10 years ago i might not have been prepared at that time to accept, uh, to accept that, what yeah. this is about but at this point in my life i have to do it i'm in and it just wow. was a wow. dream come true it, it, it's a little, it's it's tough for many reasons, of course, in, in terms of, of aging. We're all aging. We all look back at our past and, and why did we go this way and not that way, the relationships that we lost. But it's a little chilling knowing Burt Reynolds as we know Burt Reynolds. And then that part in the movie and from your uh, interviews that you've been giving on Everywhere, by the way, hmm. and you talked about his acting. I went back and I was like... Well, I remember his funny stuff, but I went back and I started to look at his acting, yeah. and I thought, wow. And that's an instance where his persona became more than him as an actor, such as like the Vin Diesels now and the Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah. the uh, you know, the, the Rock. Mm-hmm. These are actors that are doing really good material, yeah. but their persona becomes so much bigger than them that they're kind of swept under the table. And then yeah. when that goes away, we have this great actor who's not getting work. Exactly. What was your first day filming like? What were your nerves like when you knew he was going to come to set? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you, you know, like I said, I mean, generally I don't get starstruck, but as as the days were getting closer, we were shoot we shot in Knoxville, Tennessee, and you know, all the arrangements were being made, you know, his flight uh, information, his hotel information. It just started sinking in that I'm making a movie starring Burt Reynolds. <laughs> I couldn't get my mind around it for the longest time. The The director's chair came in. It said Burt Reynolds on the oh back. God. I can't believe this is real, right? Because wh- when I think back at my 12-year-old self fantasizing in history class that Burt Reynolds was going to pull up in, in the Trans Am and save me from, from school and we we're going to go off and have adventures together, which of course <laughs> didn't happen. I, I The fact that, that now he was going to be in my movie, I, I, I it, it, it was surreal. But Bert is such a great guy, and he puts you at ease so quickly and so completely. He said to me, listen, we are going to make this movie together. I need you as much as you need me. Mm. We're partners on this movie. We're collaborators. So if you're not getting what you want from me, you kick my ass. Don't be afraid to tell me. And I'm going to do the same thing with you. And we both did that. And it really was instantly a collaboration. Mm-hmm. And that's because he is so gracious. You know, because somebody else who's a, you know, so another legend yep. might not be that generous, mm-hmm. you know. But he is exactly, you know, when I fantasize about what he'd be like when I was a kid, what would it be like to hang out with Burt Reynolds? It's everything I could have imagined. Mm-hmm. He's just the best guy. Which is very That's lucky. So awesome. yeah. I had that experience. On, uh, Shirley Jones was here, mm-hmm. and to me, I mean, she was just everything. And the, the nerves, knowing that she was going to get here, when she was going to get here, I was here like two hours early, just sitting there. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and she came in and asked for a martini. I was like, "You go, girl!" And it was just sitting down and talking. Yeah. 
Um, and it was just this humanity. And it keeps in mind that no matter yeah. the stardom that, that people can achieve, we still go to bed. We still have regrets in life. We yeah. still fall in love. We still get our heart broken. And mm -hmm. we work hard in this industry. Yeah, and we're mm -hmm. just all people. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't even imagine. But that magic is so on screen in this Thank film. Um, and it's not just the R Reynolds film. Uh, the ensemble is, is so good and it's so cohesive. Ariel Winters d d does such a great She's job. She's fantastic in the film. And it was important to me... Um, the, just for, for people who don't know, don't know, I'll give you the very, very brief nutshell uh, pitch. So Bert plays a character much like himself, an actor. He plays an actor named Vic Edwards, who used to be the biggest movie star in the world, uh, but now uh, has to come to the realization that his glory days are behind him. He's invited to Nashville, Tennessee to receive a Lifetime Achievement Award at what he believes is a prestigious film festival. But when he shows up, it's just a bunch of film geeks showing movies in the back room of a bar, and they're baffled but delighted that they somehow convinced <laughs> Burt Reynolds, I mean, Vic Edwards to show up. And he's so humiliated at where he once was in life and how far down this represents that he's come that he bails on the film festival and makes the girl who's been assigned to be his driver for the weekend. Has no clue who he is. No idea who he is. Yeah. And that's characters played by Ariel Winter, makes her drive him from Nashville to Knoxville, where he's from, where he goes on a little sort of soul-searching tour of the landmarks of his youth and I, it was important to me because it was in a lot of ways it's a two-hander between him and Ariel Winter and I needed somebody who could be young convincingly young but who could keep up with Burt Reynolds because Burt hmm. Reynolds has such a history and, and so much experience but when we shot the movie last year Ariel Winter was 18 and at 18 years old she was already a veteran she grew up in front of a camera on Modern Family. She had to grow up in uh, many different ways very quickly That's right. on her own. That's yeah. right. So she was so ready uh, uh, to be able to step into this role. And also she wanted to sh uh, show that she has more uh, dimension than the character she plays on Modern Family. But she's great on Modern Family, but this is such a meaty role mm. and it's so different. Yeah, it's so different from anything that you're expecting from her. But because she has such experience, she's able to keep pace with Bert. They were able to trade jabs and give each other crap and and imp and and ad lib and improv and and uh, she was phenomenal, and they completely fell in love. I mean, they were inseparable the whole shoot. She was so uh -huh. it was interesting because she's the first one to admit she knew who Burt Reynolds was intellectually, but it didn't really connect with her until she saw people's reaction to Burt in public. You know what a legend he really is. Because when you see Burt out, when people recognize that it's Burt Reynolds yeah. out in public, and I've seen this now in L.A., in Tennessee, in New York, he's been doing the circuit, you guys, yeah. like literally the circuit. People go insane yeah. when they see it's him. I mean, we've all. When been, these, I'm sure a lot of these people are people that were alive when he was the biggest thing, right? Of course, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, no, there's a there's a contingent now of people under a certain age who don't necessarily because they don't talk about his. Uh, this is what I want to ask because the that major film festival yeah. is very uncomfortable to watch mm -hmm. because it's Burt Reynolds and it's this blurred line. Yeah. So yeah. when when you put this in the script and Burt reads this, are you trying to say? I feel like there's still a small pocket that actually understands the work you did, yes. even if the world doesn't. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's absolutely right. The world has kind of forgotten about Vic Edwards, but there are fans who still love him, mm -hmm. even young fans, and and I wanted that to come through in the in the events of the film. And not just because he was a huge movie star, but because they love the films. They love the films, absolutely. Yeah. It meant something yeah. to these people. No, guys... I mean, it meant something to me. Like, my favorite opening of any film of all time is Hooper. 
Of course. Yes, it's my favorite. I mean, yeah. being a BMX guy, right? Uh-huh. Like yeah. suiting up and doing the whole thing. Like, you know, like that was it. It's fantastic. That was everything. Yeah. It's yeah. my favorite. It's it's always been the best. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, let's take a peek at the trailer. It, uh, it releases Friday. Uh, just <clears throat> get, gave me the chills. Got to show you this. What do you think? Well, you, you're being honored. <laughs> you will be presented with a lifetime achievement award. So what? You told him I was his 24/7 driving slave for the entire weekend. Look who the previous winners are: Robert De Niro, Jack Nicholson, and Clint Eastwood. Oh, what? Hi, Mr. Edwards. Yeah. You should see this rat hole. You're there already. Just enjoy it. What the hell is this? This is the festival. Welcome to Nashville. Oh, my gosh. Mr. Edwards, I can't tell you how excited we are to have you here. How are you? Thank you for coming to the film festival. Let's get you over to the red carpet. When the hell are you even here? Because Clinton, Jack, and Bobby De Niro are one. You are the only one stupid enough to show up. (laughs) There are things I've done. Where's Vic? He left. Vic! Sloshed. Yo, bang. Bang. Oh, oh my God. I'm tired of feeling like a has-been. The number one box office star for five years in a row. Six. Six, I'm sorry. <laughs> Take the next exit. Where are you guys? <laughs> He's on some weird memory tour or something. My God, here you are. I can't believe it. <laughs> Is it true that you doubled Burt Lancaster? I did double somebody on that picture. I had to fall off a horse in a dress. <laughs> That's why you took to An audience will forgive a shitty act too if you can wow in act three. I love that line. I love that line so much. Thank you. The Hollywood Critics Association awarded you Best Newcomer of the Year. That's the only time I ever agreed with a critic. <laughs> Something else that happens in the film, which again, uh, I went on so many different roller coaster of emotions, and I don't usually get emotionally invested in a film. <laughs> this was a film that I started watching, and my phone went down. Everything else, I literally sat and watched a movie. And when was the last time anybody has ever just sat and watched a movie? Wow, thank you. But the footage, you mix f- original footage. Bert does scenes with himself from old footage, what? which is unbelievable. He's he's in the smoky car talking to his younger self. Right. Um, and it, it happens twice in the film. That must have been so interesting for him to revisit that footage and revisit him, literally his younger self, face to face. Well, what I wanted to do, speaking of, you know, uh, it, the theme being aging, you know, and wanting, I thought if he, if the character is a movie star and we do have all this great footage from this man's past, seeing in the same shot the, the young, virile Bert sitting next to, acting opposite the contemporary, older Bert. I thought that was a good way to show how fast the years go by. Mm -hmm. And so it was tough for him at times because, you know, basically they're fantasy sequences where he's confronting his younger self and he's trying to convince his younger self to not live so recklessly because he knows now that the younger version of him is about to make all the mistakes that led him to who he is today. And so, and the young Bert, he was so great at that cocky swagger. You know, I mean, that's part of his persona. Which that persona could not exist today, by the way, because he'd be sexist and he'd be right, right, right. sure, exactly. It, that was such a indicative of that time. Absolutely, but him acting opposite himself. First of all, he had never done green screen before, so that was kind of fun and wow. new for him. But but 
acting opposite the footage of himself and seeing himself, he he was very moved by it, and and he sometimes had to step away, and he got a little choked up by it. But and, but and sometimes I felt bad that I was making him feel bad, and I would ask him about it. He said, "Nope, we're doing this. This is what this is why we're here. This is important," and he wanted to do it. It's not just movie clips. Like you used Johnny Carson appearances. Yeah. You used yeah. the famous centerfold. That's right. Was there ever a consideration of just having the character be a version of Burt Reynolds and calling him Burt Reynolds? Never. And I'll tell you why. Because I didn't. One of the problems for Burt all these years is that people always thought he was playing himself. Yeah. No matter what mm-hmm. the movie was. Hmm. So even though they were all performances, people just thought, oh, that's just Burt Reynolds being Burt Reynolds in front of the camera, which is not true. So if I had this character be named Burt Reynolds, people, it, the idea that this was a yeah. performance would be gone for it completely. Yeah. So I wanted to make sure that people knew, yes, there are echoes of Burt's real life in the events of this movie, but he's playing a role, and this is definitely a performance. Uh, uh, Sunset Boulevard, Billy Wilder uh, wrote the part. Mae West was the original uh, actress, but it was so close to home that she ended up not doing it at all because uh, she was dating a younger much younger man who she was taking care of. Her career was over, and she was that Mae West persona, which is so it, yeah. it's it's so weird. And so obviously, Gloria Swanson took it over, and they used her her footage and her which pictures, and, all that. Yeah. and she grabbed onto that and yeah. she used it as as her comeback. Mm, yeah. So Tom Pike. Hey. Asking actors to take part. I mean, how do you approach an actor like Richard Hatch coming back from Battlestar Galactica fame, by the way? And also Battlestar Galactica. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> He's the only person who did both versions, right. the 70s and the yeah, reimagined. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a reboot movie of Battlestar Galactica yes. coming. That, that's what they say. So this kid, this snot-nosed kid who, who, <laughs> who went to Carnegie Mellon, how do you get this actor uh, buy-in? So, uh, and Tim Russ. And Tim Russ, yep. I love him, but he's not an easy personality. So uh, I, no I was, comment. I got I got Well, no, uh, Tim was actually the first person to agree to do it. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, and uh, you gotta, I gotta put you in the position I was in here. I, I was, I have no resume. I was gonna make this thing in a closet. Okay, I just wanted to make something set in space. At the time that we were working on this, this was 2014. Star Trek wasn't on the air. Uh, there, there was nothing. Battlestar was off the air. There was nothing set in space. There was nothing, and uh, a lot of science fiction is about examining who we are, and, 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 and I didn't feel like anything was doing that. Um, and A Good science fiction is, yes, is, is that. Absolutely, yes. absolutely. And uh, I was going to make this thing in front of a cardboard set in a closet. That's not a hypothetical thing. We had a cardboard set. Don't um, do anything in the closet. I was in the closet for many years. It didn't work out very well. <laughs> and there wasn't a whole lot of room in there. Yeah. Um, How dare you, sir? I've lost weight. <laughs> <laughs> I, meant, I meant our closet. Yes, I'm just closet. kidding. So, you know, we we were just going to do that, and uh, and 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 we had auditions, and we did cast some of the roles based on auditions. But um, I had trouble with others because, like, as a writer, I always picture, like you did with Burt Reynolds, I always picture someone in my head. Yeah. And partly, I mean, up until this point, to me, that has always been a writing exercise. It has always been to get my voice out of my head and to write with a character's voice. Um, so I had pictured specific people. Um, I did not actually expect. A single one of them to say yes. Hmm. Now, the very first one was Tim Russ, um, and uh, I was. And you always need that anchor yeah, star. That yeah. Well, and Tim, Tim Russ was actually uh, because he knew he was the first name of any stature to be involved in it. Uh, we offered him the role that Richard Hatch ended up playing, and he he was like, you know what? I want to help you. This is a cool project. I love the I, I, I love the premise. Um, but just in case I get another job or whatever, or like you know uh, what I'm 
what probably he means is, in case this ends up sucking because you have done nothing, <laughs> uh, I'm, I, I would rather take this smaller role so that you know if I have uh, to back I mean, out, I'm not leaving you. And I really appreciate that. Actually, that was very thoughtful because it's pretty honest. If ta- yeah, I appreciate that. If he'd taken the really big role and he'd had to back out, that would have been disastrous for us because this is a this is a two and a half hour thing. This is a 190 page script. The uh, the part that uh, Richard ended up playing was. Uh, there, there were hundreds of lines, like around 200 lines. Um, and if we'd had one guy who was supposed to play that and then they backed it. Anyway, so Tim agreed to do it, which floored me. Um, and then we just started reaching out to other people. We reached out to Nikki Klein, who's on Battlestar Galactica. Mm-hmm. She was the one who put us in touch with Richard. Uh, I started feeling lucky. Uh, now, Kurt happened because uh, I... Uh, the, the character of Leonard Freeman is disabled. He has, uh, we wrote him with some kind of leg injury. We didn't get it specific because we were going to go with whatever the actor we cast really had. Um, we needed something. How unusual in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, actually it is. Uh, and, and we didn't want to do that. We didn't want to do the thing where you have a disabled character and you cast an able-bodied actor. It, it is similar to all the controversies around having uh, an Asian character played by a white woman. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Uh, we, we, we wanted to do that, but we also, it was complicated what we needed. We needed someone who was late 30s or early, early 40s in that range. We needed someone handsome because uh, he's got a romantic arc. We needed someone who could handle comedy and drama, and it would be really great if the person were already famous. It was like, one dude fits all of those things. <laughs> and, and who's also very nice to work yeah. with. Yeah. And also there's Kurt Yeager. No, I mean, Kurt, Kurt was, the, Kurt was our, the only person on that list. Um, so, like... It, we, we, I, I sit down with him for coffee, and he knows the story now. He's heard this every time we've done an interview, but uh, I had to keep it very close to the vest at the time because he's like, why me? I'm like, who else? <laughs> who else <laughs> could do this? Um, so uh, I, I don't know why they said yes. You'd have to talk to Kurt about that. I think, I think it has something to do with people can tell if you're trying to tell a story that you don't give a shit about. Hmm. Uh, and th- there are a lot of movies yeah. that get made, a lot of stories that get told. Because someone owns the rights. I don't think that's a good reason to make a movie. He's, he's extremely passionate. I mean, when he was describing, we went to coffee, and, and, and I can't remember how you reached out to me. It was somewhere or another. But uh, yeah. you, you, we, we went to coffee, and it was like you had given me an idea and a treatment and some, and some context, you know, and I knew what the project was. I knew the scope. I knew the umbrella, right? And I'm at coffee, and we're talking, and it was like 40 minutes of just chatting and, like, seeing the amount of – not only detail to science, I mean, you know, I have my uh, master's in hydrogeology. So his background of science, like I was actually asking questions and he knew it all and his, his family's like NASA engineers and everything else. So we bonded over that. And within about, what, 45 minutes, I, I texted Richard Hatch because he hadn't met, met him yet. Actually, yeah. I said, say yes, because me and Richard are friends. I didn't or know that. Friends. I didn't know but, that. Is that true? Yeah. yeah. No, Text really. him right now. He's going to come on Well, the show. He, he passed away. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. No, but it, it was but. surprising. It's okay. It was surprising to me. They all, they all know each other, um, and uh, and that's why it snowballed. It snowballed once we got a few of the a few of act, the actors of television stature, and then your son. All of a sudden, you're not shooting that in a closet. You're not putting these people in front of a cardboard set. That is not okay. So we had to raise the funds. We had to do it in a studio. We had to do it properly, uh, and I'm really, really proud of what it became. Um, but yeah, and the hydrogeology thing—that was a surprise. I did not know Kurt had an engineering background, uh, and Kurt is playing an engineer on the show. Yeah, uh, and and the science <laughs> is kind all... of a lazy version of one who smokes yeah. too much pot. But yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We um, there's a lot of real science in personal space because we we can't uh, distract people with uh, flashy spaceship battles. We don't have that kind yeah. of money, mm-hmm. so it has to be an intimate character piece. It has to be driven by who these people are and. 
Um, and his character has a lot of lines of dialogue about the science and the science is, I don't want to say the science is all real. The science is all based in real stuff. Pretty much everything that happens on the show has some kind of real world analog. Which again and is where the best sci-fi comes from. Exactly. Star Trek yeah. is one of the, yeah. oh, yeah. the yeah. smartest yeah, yeah, yeah. pieces, sci-fi or not, because it's <laughs> it's about interaction and it's about reality. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and, and But he ended up with, you know, all the lines about the technology. And I was like, one of the things I said in coffee was like, can you give a line of dialogue about something sciencey without it sounding like complete and utter BS? <laughs> yeah. And that's actually very important. It's, and it's a gift not every actor has. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and, and and that's when I learned that he had the, the uh, yeah. engineering background, which was a total surprise. I think, I think I was like, yeah, I was doing fluvial experimentation at Berkeley, figuring out what kind of rock angulation to put in so that the downstream ecology wouldn't be destroyed when removing a dam. And I And he was like... <laughs> What you know? And I was like, oh, and we we had fun. But then <laughs> that was your fun. Good times for Kurt Yeager. Yeah. Yikes! I've got multiple personalities. Yes, I, mean, I know. Some people say I've that's, dated a one of them. that's a disorder, <laughs> but not. I don't think so. <laughs> I think I think it's important for uh, for actors, for creative people, to have multiple interests. Um, you know, this this uh, this this show for me came out of a love of space and and, and science and wanting to tell um, these person like I. I'm fascinated by things like Biosphere 2, which was an experiment where um, they locked, I think, like six scientists in a big dome in the Arizona desert. Um, and uh, and they were supposed to stay in there for two years. It was hermetically sealed. It was a closed environment. They're going to grow their own food. And they were going to, you know, it was going to be a blueprint for Mars. That, that was how we were going to learn how to colonize other worlds. And... Um, it was a complete disaster because they started fighting with each other. Yep. Because when you lock people into a tin can, they think of themselves as roommates. It does not matter how glamorous the mission they're on is. <laughs> it does not matter how lofty, how well the goals are, how well trained they are, how professional they are. We're all people. Like I yes. was saying, we're all people yes. at the end of the day with our bad habits and our personalities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And so the, the 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 way I always uh, the way the way I, one of the ways I pitch the show is like um, you know there it's the whole show is them talking to their therapy computer. Uh, on the ship, and uh, you know, you could compare her to Hal, but I don't really think that's fair because Hal wants to kill everybody. Amy just wants them to get them to argue about where they leave their socks. <laughs> so she's like a Bravo TV producer. It's like, how did you feel about that? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the pot. Yeah. Kurt, I got so many questions about <clears throat> your acting style because you have done the major studio, you've done the web series, uh, you've done TV. How do you adjust your actor's approach? Or does it? Do you do you keep the same creative process towards each project? I I would like to say I have one process, but every I guess my my, my I guess I do have one process. It's to shit. I booked it. What do I do? Yeah. <laughs> like, 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 that's it. Like I look at it and go, ah, oh, crap! It's all brand new. You know, like in every single show, it's something different, and I have to like get a different part of me put it forward, and then make that character interesting and dynamic in its own way. You know what I mean? So I don't think there's any like one way that's different between those types of like budgetary restraint. And I, I I think if you're an actor, I don't think that you should think of it that way. Like and I've turned down projects that either had money or didn't because it just didn't speak to me. And I was like, I don't I, I'm going to come in and I'm going to call it in. I don't mm -hmm. know what to tell mm -hmm. you. Like, I can't do that. But, you know, with personal space, like I think that it was something that I was able to grab onto not only from the science, but the interpersonal relationships. And then I, I think even like from the structure of what Tom created, it was a manageable goal. Like we're going to shoot 
a shit ton of content as fast as we can, but it's from the perspective of the 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 uh, therapy computer. And I was like, wait a minute. So that means the camera never moves. There's no lighting changes. There's no da, da, da. and I just started thinking. I'm there's like, nowhere to is, hide. <laughs> and I'm like, like this is manageable. This is doable. Yeah. You know. And I was like, this this has meat. This is some something I can play with. And it was like, and I was like, yes. I think so. that's that that actually speaks to. Part of why we got some of the actors we did, despite you know my modest pedigree, is that because we couldn't hide behind the special effects, which is what a lot of science fiction filmmakers try to do if there's weaknesses in the story. You know, if there's weaknesses in our story, there's there's nothing to distract you. Um, so it had to be about the characters and the people, and 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 that meant for mm-hmm. any of the actors that were reading for these roles, they knew that we were going to be looking at them and nothing else. And and that is, I think, is an interesting challenge for an actor. Yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah. I, I, but I, it's, I, it's also that it's like a doable project. I mean, you yeah. get a lot of scripts and you're like, there's no way you can do that for $2 million. There's no way you can do it for half a million, whatever it is, right? And you look at it and you go, this and you and, and most scripts fall apart in the second act. They don't have in a second act. Mm-hmm. And you just look at it and you're like, well, I can't say yes to this. But this is like contained, like episodic pieces where you follow it along. You're like, okay, each piece had its own like beginning, middle, and end. And it it just was like almost like it wasn't it wasn't something that like I was like, you can do it, right? You know, it was yeah. it was something where it was like. You thought this out. You recognize it, and it didn't look like it was coming at it from like a, a, a novice position. Yeah. You thought about all the contingencies and says, "Okay, we're going to get rid of this. We're going to remove this expense this way, this way." But it's still a really immediate and like pertinent story between people. Which is, and that brings back to one of my favorite lines in uh, in, in your film was about the the second act. Things tend to fall apart. It's what you do in the third act, which is kind of for like a <coughs> is like how you put it all together. Yeah. Um. And Adam, you worked like again for like major movie studios doing family family friendly uh, hits to like roll up your sleeves and, and let's right. get some work done. Right. What is your take on where the state of the quality of filmmaking is today? I had this discussion last night after seeing Black Panther, and I got all the screeners for the best picture. You said picture. you weren't going to bring it up. Well, no, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> no, but, I mean, but I'm here with, like, you know, filmmakers. Yeah. And I got all the screeners, like I said, for, for the best picture nominations, and I watched them one by one by one. And I was like, okay, what is your take on the quality of filmmaking in terms of how uh, major studios are working now, how web series are, are working, and the output of all this material? Well, I mean, the good news for anybody who's an aspiring filmmaker now is that the technology has finally caught up to people's ambitions. When I first started and I made my first film, there was no other option. You had to make your movie on film, and that has inherent costs that you just can't get around. Like basic, here's the film to purchase. You have to purchase the film stock. Yeah, you have develop to, it. You have, you have to, to develop, develop the film stock. Yeah. There's a negative that has to be cut. There's equipment you have to rent that has to be shipped into your house or wherever you're going to edit it to edit it on. Now, you can shoot a movie on your phone. You can edit it on an app. You can release it to the world on YouTube. You can promote it to the world on social media. For free. You can do all of this for nothing. And really, all the, 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 the best production value there is is talent. So if you've got the talent and you've got the ambition and you've got the and good sound and, and <laughs> that is definitely I think that's 60 of every like, that is very period. true. That's like, the biggest mark of an amateur. That um, is true. Yes. Yep. That is very true. But um, so I mean, and you know, 
some one of my favorite films of the last few years was Tangerine, and that was shot on an iPhone. iPhone. Yeah, great movie. Yeah. It was made for nothing, you know. Um, and it lived up to its hype too, because absolutely. media loves hypey stories. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, did you see the movie? Because whatever, but it, it, it lived was up great. To its and when it you're watching, great. you caring about the characters, exactly. you caring about the story. Which, like we said, is number one. Yeah. yeah. So that that is absolutely true. If you don't care about the story and you don't care about the characters, nobody cares about anything else. Mm. We've all seen big, giant movies with the best special effects, the biggest stars, and we've all seen those movies not work. Mm-hmm. <coughs> yes. Uh, yeah. But, <laughs> but then there's a movie like Tangerine that is tiny little budget, but the characters are interesting, the story is interesting. It's an, it's, it, 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 that's all that matters. Now, the good news and the bad news is because of this, now, the studios are mostly, I'm not going to say all, but mostly making tentpole movies, right? So they're making the Marvel movies, the Star Wars movies, and I love popcorn movies, don't get me wrong. But the, or there are independent filmmakers making the Tangerines, and there's very few mid-range movies being made anymore. And most of, our, probably everybody in this room and a lot of the people listening right now, you, if you point to your favorite movies throughout your life, there's, there are mostly... They're, they probably mostly fall in that mid-range, mid-range yeah. mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But those movies aren't really being made as often. So that's kind of just where things are at right now. But would so you say that's where, like, Amazon is coming in? Like, yes. And that is by the sea. That and... is changing that. And so so Amazon, Netflix, th- that's changing that landscape now. Yeah. Because now th- that's where you're getting the mid-range movies. Yeah. So thank God for them. Yeah. 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 <sighs> this is... Yeah. So I want to talk <laughs> about your creative process coming from college creative writing. Here's your course. Here's here's your structure to to Adam. What your creative process is, and you come up with with the idea and like what comes first? Do you just start outlining it out? Is it is it formal? Is it? Well, I want to be clear. Uh, my education in college was in poetry classes mostly. <laughs> which Are you is serious? No, yeah. Give us a and poem. I was give no. Us a yes. Poem. Yes. Yes. Give I'm us a, a good haiku. I am a terrible <laughs> poet. I am what? so bad no. at poetry. I have. I wrote one good poem in college, and it was about a dream I had where Barack Obama was my dad. And I, so that's, so, can you do it? So, no, I don't remember it at all. Uh, I, later, I'll look it up. But like, anyway, so that is yeah. that less than helpful. Uh, I hope that's framed so in your room somewhere. Like, like, yeah. I want. I want the top yeah. like poem of Obama. Yeah. That's yeah. So great. And at yeah. the bottom it says, "Love Michelle." Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, I approached personal space. Uh, Like I said, this was back in the days when we were going to shoot in front of cardboard. Uh, It was an excuse to see some of my friends every week. Uh, I I, I like the thing that I like most about this whole business is that it's collaborative. Um, I I like working with other people. And so I invited over five of my friends every week. And the excuse was, we're going to have a writer's room. We're going to write a spaceship show. Maybe we'll even make it. Um, you know, there was no, there, there was no, uh, there was no pretense to it. It was just, it was, it was just six people that wanted to. Uh, and how long was that process? Characters. Well, that was that was a while. So, like the the Kickstarter was in. I'm doing the math, math in my head. I would have approached you around October or November of 2015. Yeah, we started that about a year earlier in October 2014. Wow. Um, and so we worked on the script and we worked on the script and we worked on the script. And I don't know the exact number, but our first draft of the or our draft of the pilot had already been through about 25 drafts before we even showed it to Tim, who was the first actor to read it. And it was nowhere near done then. Um, cause after the Kickstarter was done and we raised, you know, real money, uh, and we were going to shoot it in a studio and it was, people were actually going to see it and care about it. Then the script went through a, another massive rewrite because we were like, this cannot, this cannot be 
bad. <laughs> we can't we can't we can't put this we can't put this out there unless it is our best possible work. The writing is all that you see. The writing and the performances is all that you see on the screen. Um, so I, I I would say as far as the way I approached it, it was from an intensely collaborative. Um, uh, it, like there, there, there were five other writers, and 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 they all brought something. They all had uh, different, slightly different takes on who the characters were. So we would have people do, uh, we'd have someone do the first draft, and then someone else would do a pass on the same script, which I gather is not actually the way most writers' room worked. But our has ours, our writers were lovely, and they had no ego about their work being rewritten. So. Yeah. Yeah. Me? <laughs> yes. Um, well, the way that it, I approach different projects different ways. Um, if I'm writing a movie for hire for a movie studio, I generally am required to plot it out in detail because before I'm commissioned uh, to start, they want to know every beat that I'm probably going to write. Now, once you actually get to writing, things evolve, things change. Mm -hmm. There's a there's a creative. Is that the hardest thing ever, writing a script? Because, yeah. like, you're not necessarily inspired. You're inspired by a paycheck, I guess. Like, where's the story coming from? I, I wouldn't necessarily take a job that I couldn't find inspiration for. Okay. You know, so it's got to be something that I could get excited about. Even if it seems like, well, why would you get excited about that? I still can find a way to get excited about a lot of different things that might seem yeah. Uh, uh, odd. Um, but I but I love all kinds of movies. I love all kinds of stories. I love big stories, small stories, funny stories, kids stories, scary stories. I just like telling stories. So a job for hire like that, um, I'll go up for one that I, I'm excited to hopefully get. And then when I get it, then the process when you're developing with a studio is very different than what I do when I'm just writing something for myself. So like, for example, the last movie star, I pretty much knew the beats in my head of where I wanted the story to go because I'm kind of following, in a way, the the Burt Reynolds trajectory, the, his character, his his life's arc, a little bit. Yeah. So I knew the the sort of main landmarks that I wanted to hit, uh, who he was, where he was invited to, what happens when he gets there, why does he want to leave, what does he do when he gets to his hometown, how does the Lil character, who's Ariel Winter, how does she fit into that? And I wrote, I wrote a very loose, just broad strokes beat sheet, just hand, just like scrawled on a legal piece of paper. And then, and then I just sort of allowed the movie in my mind to play, and I transcribed what I saw playing in my mind. Mm -hmm. That's a diff, That's a process. That is that is a little riskier if someone's paying you to write because mm -hmm. they want treatments and they want beat sheets and they want but but if it's something for myself I'm just gonna trust my intuition a lot you know thing but but that said once I wrote it once other people started get becoming involved like you were saying it's a very collaborative process so things evolve uh, once other people join the party and two for example you're always hoping for happy accidents right, right. yeah so the biggest happy accident for us was the original draft of the script, he's invited to a film festival in Philadelphia, he drives to New York to his hometown, right? Mm -hmm. And that was always the intention. But the money that was raised, ultimately, uh, the producers were based in Tennessee. Now, they didn't say we had to shoot in Tennessee, but they said, while you're scouting all the other states that have tax incentives mm -hmm. for what states could play as New York and Philadelphia, Detroit, we were, you know, Minneapolis, we were scouting uh, New Orleans, all these different places, 
They said, just come to Tennessee, scout Knoxville, scout Nashville. I bet with a little movie magic we could play these cities as New York and Philly also. So I went to Tennessee, and there was no way that was going to play as New York, <laughs> New York City. That just wasn't going to happen. But I thought to myself, you know, it's so beautiful here. Bert's a southern boy. Everybody knows that. Tennessee is very underserved in movies and in television. Why don't we shoot it here and embrace that it's Nashville for the film festival and Knoxville for his hometown? I loved it. And yeah. once we made that choice, just and that was a that was literally a um, a, a control option, you know, replace in the script. Mm-hmm. You know, New York uh, flop yeah. with Knoxville. It changed the whole mood of the movie. It changed who we cast in other roles. It changed the score. It changed everything. I think for the better. Hmm. I, lo- I love that the specificity of the location. I think a lot of uh, a, lo- a lot of writers will set something in a kind of generic world where oh they're like oh anyone can imagine that they're that they're here. But it's so much stronger I think to have a specific place in mind and a specific culture and absolutely um, yeah I, I I love that you did that. Is Thanks. it is it hard to like? Have something like that come, you know, every someone says about writers like cutting your babies, but like mm-hmm. seeing like that and seeing like a whole change is it hard when someone suggests it the first moment and like you're tenured now? It, do you hear it or do you go, eh, still? It, I mean, is it, it, it <laughs> depends. In that particular instance, it was me who made that choice. Yeah. But I've had situations where suggestions have been made to me for global shifts and whatever on other projects. And sometimes my knee-jerk reaction is, no, that's not going to work. Right. But then I start to think about, okay, well, let's think about it. Yeah. Let's think about, is there a way to make it work? Is there a way to make, make it work to our advantage? I have found, and again, it goes back to the collaborative process, you, you have to, well, you don't have to do anything. What has worked most uh, 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 beneficially for me is... I've become pretty good at rolling with certain punches and make and trying to make whatever restrictions or whatever obstacles evolve into um, benefits. Mm. Uh, that's why mm. I say yep. uh, happy accidents. Yeah. Yeah. Because things that you never would have planned for if you had the money or if you had the time or if you had the person that you wanted. I mean, there were people in projects that I've done where we lost an actor for a role, and I thought this, it's, it's the movie's ruined. It's never going to be as good. But then we get somebody who's better, or something else happens that's better. You have to be open to the the fluidity yeah. of the process. That's a learned thing, yeah. I think. Yeah. And I'm still in the <laughs> like I'm still like learning that. Yeah, yeah. No mine. <laughs> I, I love that. Though. I have. Yeah. I, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, okay. I have a question for you. Yeah. You plummeted 40 feet off a freeway overpass. Yes. Were you were you aware of your were you aware of what was happening as you were plummeting? Um, I don't have memory now of mm-hmm. the plummet, yeah. but I woke up uh, and did a couple of things down on the ground uh, before I called 911 myself mm-hmm. because <laughs> no one saw me. You called 911 yourself? Yeah, well, I tried to move, and I realized that my left leg was a compound fracture. I didn't realize it was hanging off by sinew. Oh, my God. And then my right leg didn't work at all. And I didn't know it was because my pelvis had broken both the front and the back and had split open like by like six inches. Aye, aye, aye. But, so I thought my back was broke, you know, which it was. But 
you know, so I grabbed my helmet and was like, okay, that's not it. And I tried to like do a military crawl once I pulled my helmet off and it felt like the lower half of my body was separating from the upper half. Jeez. What does that feel like? It, it feels exactly as I described it. <laughs> okay. It's fucking horrible. But, but let me ask you a question. Yeah. You were probably in shock. Yeah. Did you feel the pain? Yeah. You know, uh, as a as a professional BMX rider, uh, you you get injured a lot, and you know the difference between ouch pain and don't do that again. Yeah. And that was don't do that again, at the highest the nth degree. So just something Darwinian that it was. Well, it was it was that, but like I could feel like Have you ever had someone like pull your knuckle or something, and it goes yeah. That's what it felt like. It felt like. All of that was going. Oh, that's so wow. there was there was a there was a there was a uh, an implosion like a suction like a wow. And I was like, do you know? And I felt like parts moving that had never like I had no idea were even oh, in my body. Oh my god! That's he still horrible. Instagrammed yeah. it though. So no. <laughs> <laughs> just before Instagram, I have more trouble with this story than Kurt does. No, <laughs> I'm it's sitting here like, oh. but you know, Kurt, we're talking about human stories, and you have been at the forefront. You have survived. You could have stayed in bed and be like, okay, my 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 career is over, my life is over. But you literally had to force yourself every day to go farther and farther yeah. to come back to the to the state you are. But you've been there with hurricane victims who have literally lost everything. You've been there with the fires. What is the message from survivors that you get the most? How are these people surviving these huge obstacles? I mean, if Del Taco closes before midnight, like my life is over. <laughs> I can't even imagine going through something well, like this. I think I think you know when you when you go through a near. Uh, death experience like that and then recover um, there's there's this process of like letting other people know that not not that things can be worse but that bad things actually teach you the best lessons yeah. you know and you start like realizing that like and, and I started listening to like Alan Watts which is like a kind of like Eastern philosopher like he, he passed away but uh, from the UK and like there's a story where it's like there's a, a Chinese village and this guy his 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 wife had died he has one son and he has one horse to take care of this whole field and the horse breaks out and you know uh, they can't find it and all the villagers are like oh isn't that bad the next day the horse comes back with seven friends and it's like we have se- we have eight horses you know and, and all the villagers are like isn't that good the next day the kid tries to break the horses falls off and breaks his leg horribly and they're like oh isn't that bad the next day the military comes through and tries to conscript everyone to take them all away except that one kid cuz he broke his leg and they're like isn't that good and the whole time the dad answered maybe like it just is so relative. You don't know if you being in traffic at that exact moment stopped you from being in an accident. Mm-hmm. Like you, so it's like you start realizing that kind of stuff, and you go, "Well, for, you know, I, I have no idea. I'm not even going to try to like." And I still get caught up in it. So I think when you go through that kind of trauma, things that are usually big problems aren't, and so you kind of relax. But like when I was in Puerto Rico, like I, I was doing like uh, motorcycle adventuring. So um, there's this one uh, organization I work with called Motorrad Angels, and we take adventure motorcycles and go into uh, locations that cars and trucks can't get to because of devastation. So we pack up our bikes with like 300 pounds worth of gear, go up into the mountains where people can't go, and then like deliver food, water, water filters, install them, and the rest of it. And these people were the most resilient people that I had met like they were just like we haven't had power in two months we can see the sky though now like it was like well that's nice you know but it was it was it was devastating to you know 
some stories were nice, and then other, like we ran across this one 88-year-old woman who was living on potatoes and onions hadn't been reached in three, uh, three weeks now, and her daughter had, uh, she was like 50 years old and had schizophrenia and had to be locked in a cage at night because she was violent, you know, and she couldn't get her meds, so that made her more and more violent. So, like, she was like, what do I do? I can't leave her. I can't go out. I can't. There's no roads. So it was like this poor person that, like, literally had nothing and was waiting for someone like us to come along. And then other people who were helping other people. So it's just this combination of, you know. And one one thing I want to say about, like, devastation, we all have our own worst things. So, like, you know, my worst thing, and it's not like, you know, you know how they always say, uh, first world problems, you know. Mm -hmm. that, That still is your worst problem. It, it still is yeah. like you, you you may you you may be um, ignorant of deeper bigger problems and you know not having Del Taco open might not be it's that big, big problem, of a deal. Guys. <laughs> but like you know you can't know that there are bigger problems until you know there are bigger problems. Yeah. So having a little bit of grace for those people too isn't the worst thing in the world. You know, like I don't want anyone to have to go through what I went through. Just listen to me. I'll tell you exactly, believe me, and take that lesson and go. Hmm. Which is, I mean, what I love about this episode particularly is that we're talking about human interest stories. And in this industry, you can be so succumbed to, to the stardom and like your recent media. It's like, yes, you know, <laughs> on, on every big show. But at, like we said, again, we're just human people yeah. living human stories. And from Burt Reynolds and yeah. heartbreak to uh, to looking at his past to 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 that or having your first series with like big names, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's what the industry should remember to be is, yeah. is more hu- humane. Yeah. Um, so, all right. Well, my biggest tragedy is that this episode, uh, we have to wrap this up. What? <laughs> I tell you, it goes by so fast. Yeah, it does. All right. So the way we end the show, we're going to do rapid fire. Uh-oh. You already did it because you've, you've, you've co-hosted before. <laughs> rapid fire. And then at the end of the rapid fire, tell our viewers where they can find you and where they can, they can watch personal space. And, and of course, Burt Reynolds returned to the screen. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. I don't care. <laughs> okay. You've done this before. You're an old hack. Uh, okay. Oh, you got special yes. ones for me. What is the most embarrassing song on your playlist? I don't even have a playlist. That's a lie. No, I have Radio Paradise and AccuRadio. Like, I don't even have, like, iTunes where I have music. Okay, what's one of the most embarrassing songs that you love that we probably shouldn't know about? I'm not embarrassed by anything I love. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm going to puke. I like Cat Stevens. I mean, I like everything from Cat Stevens to Fugazi, you know. It's, is there a Britney in there? No, there's no pop. There's not really pop music. See, that's embarrassing. Mm. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I'm, not, I'm not current. I'm unfortunately not current. Hmm. All right. If you could have lunch with any deceased actor, who would it be? Peter O'Toole. Oh, interesting. I've never had that response. Very interesting. He'd probably make you pay. <laughs> uh, we drink a lot. That would be Yes, that good enough. Boxers or briefs? Um, what are the, the medium? The boxer, boxer briefs? Boxer briefs. Oh, God, you're so straight. <laughs> uh, the worst date you've ever had? The worst date I ever had. I went out, I took a girl out. I was probably 18, and I leaned over and I said, What's whores de orbs? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, Hors d'oeuvres, you idiot. Over. And you grew up in San Francisco. Like, you should well, know I this. I never read the menu. I never, like, I was like, Hors d'oeuvres, sure. Let's, uh, you want hors d'oeuvres? Oh, yeah, where's the hors d'oeuvres? Oh, it's, uh, okay, this section, I can see the calamari. Okay, that's the hors d'oeuvres. I never read it and was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> What's whores de orves? I dated a drag queen called Horse Divorce. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
Kurt, what would the name of your biography be? Um, don't start with acid. <laughs> Kurt, where can our viewers uh, find you? Uh, all the social you? media channels, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, um, and Twitter, just at my name, Kurt Yeager, K-U-R-T-Y-A-E-G-E-R. And watch him in personal space, you guys. Yeah, and my new film coming out, The Festival. It comes out this summer. Awesome, awesome, yeah. and I'm sure you'll be back. I, well, anytime you want me. Of course, you know. <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> Two in the morning, I'm texting, where are you? Del Taco's closed. We do, we do text now? a lot. We do text we do. a lot. We, yeah. we do, we do. All right, who, who wants to go next? I can go next. All right, Tom. Yeah. Star Trek or Star Wars? Star Ooh. Trek. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's tough, though, because Walter if Kavik I... Walter came on the show when I almost yeah? passed out. Yeah. Oh, no, I would, too. Yeah. I think you asked me that, and I said Stargate. Ooh. <laughs> and then I said goodbye. Contrary. <laughs> Okay, uh, if you were lost in space with three people, one in your friend and family circle, one current celebrity, and one dead person, who would they be? My wife would definitely want me to pick my wife, so I will pick my wife. <laughs> this is your opportunity to leave her. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I missed out on that chance. No, I, I, I adore her. She actually she, she wrote on the show. She co-created with me. So, yeah. um, uh, and uh, celebrity, hmm. I would want a celebrity with like some kind of useful skill. Um, God, it's so so oh, analytical. He's Na science, Natalie yes. Portman. She's a mathematician. Yeah. <laughs> Your wife what? might not like, like that, by the way. I'm chopped liver. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've already worked with you, though. He's already uh, had you. Yeah, he wants no. Natalie Portman. Uh, I got to yeah, train you know. it up. I got to do the Hollywood thing. Yeah, uh, right. What was the third one? Uh, one dead person. One dead person. Um, are they actually dead while they're with you? Yeah, I would want them to be alive, <laughs> to be clear. You fetish freak. <laughs> <laughs> that jumped into your mind. <laughs> I feel like uh, one last flight for Neil Armstrong would be pretty cool. Uh, yeah. He'd be like, been here. Yeah, no, <laughs> old hat to him. Yeah. Dune, thumbs up or thumbs down? Which version? Ooh. The movie. Which movie? The original movie. Oh, okay, David Lynch. So uh, that's not a rapid fire question. Uh, you know they're doing a reboot yeah. of, of Dune. I did not know that. Yep. Okay. And I guess it's going to be very true to the story, like mm -hmm. the books. You know what? I'll give you, I'll give you a thumbs up for everything David Lynch tried to do in Dune. Uh, it is a very, very interesting movie. I don't think it's exactly Dune. But mm. that's a whole other thing. I okay. love the Navigators. Those are freaking weird all right your onset personal must-haves not like water mm -hmm. and like like but like something that's like your talisman um anything that's like there's always there's always something little like on the last set i was on uh my art director stuck a piece of gaff tape onto my hoodie right here and i just left it there it's and like it the felt good like luck. a good luck charm yeah there's always something like that did you did you do a jacket on personal space i think it was a wasn't it a jacket there was the whole something time? there was something on personal that was just that his was budget like he's like this is the only jacket yeah. I got <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was actually our whole gaff tape budget so we <laughs> 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 reused that tape. yeah <laughs> i like that if you had an unlimited budget what kind of movie would you be making? A worse one, if I'm being honest. No, it's like what he was saying is when you have all the money, you t tend to want to play with all the toys. And, 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 and if you have to focus on your limitations and turn your limitations into strengths, you actually make better stories. Like I have tons of scripts that are cheap Star Wars and they would be terrible if I made them. Uh, Personal Space, I think, is much stronger. So uh, if I had a lot more, I, I'm, I'm not saying don't give me more money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that, that's interesting. You should tell James Cameron about that. Oh, my God. <laughs> I've so, got him on speed dial, so, yeah. Yes, well. Uh, uh, 
where can our uh, listeners follow you and where can we watch Personal Space? Because it is now streaming yep. the whole season. Yep. So uh, I can be found on at StoryTom on uh, Twitter. That's the word story and then my first name, Tom, because I have a very common name and Tom Pike was taken. Yeah, I noticed uh, when I tried to follow you, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, no, there's a lot of me. Um, <laughs> and uh, the uh, yeah, uh, we're on Amazon, all 28 episodes, about two and a half hours, but each one is only five minutes, so it's a super small commitment of time. Uh, if uh, that, if you have Prime, it's totally free. If you're in the United States or the UK, if you are anywhere else, it is also for free on a website called Share TV. The whole season is up there, so international uh, fans can watch it there. Awesome. All right, Mr. Adam. It's me. Now I know you. You know you've hung out with Conan lately. You've, you've been everywhere. <laughs> what Andy, other talk and, show Andy would Cohen. you prefer to be doing right now? <laughs> <laughs> Who do you think he's been texting? So he, he's texting Andy Cohen. He's like, he's no Andy Cohen. <laughs> if you could reboot any Hollywood classic, which one would it be? Oh my God! If I any. could reboot any Hollywood classic, classic would be uh, like 1970s and before. The Thief of Baghdad. Mm. Oh, I'm nodding like I know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's it's the it's like a classic uh, Thousand and One Nights tale, uh, but it's w w with a British flair. Oh, right. They made a silent version and they made a, 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 a sound color version as well. Well, you can get Peter O'Toole after Kurt has lunch <laughs> with him. Your biggest pet peeve when dealing with actors. What is one thing that they do that's bleh? My biggest pet peeve is exactly what I love about them, which is that they're big kids. Mm. So, but you can't have one without the other. So, yes, when you're when you're with a bunch of kids, it can be trying <laughs> at times, but that's what makes them great, and that's why they can do what they can do. When you need somebody to perform a scene and cry halfway through and it be believable, most people can't do that. So, but. But if, if, if somebody could get lost in play time, like a kid can or an actor can, it's magic. All right. All right. What is your after day of filming ritual? And I don't mean like, oh, I take off my shoes. Like when you get home, like what's your ritual that's how you decompress? My it, dep it, it, it dep There's one aspect that changes if I'm on location. Uh, if I'm on location, I go back to the hotel I work with the team on the next day's scenes. I then go to my room and I con and I continue to work on the scenes myself and I order room service. That's yes. the key. If I'm shooting in town, all the same things apply, but I go home and I eat uh, cornflakes. Cornflakes, <laughs> yeah. all right. Yeah. That's what's, the a, fuel. what's a typical full day for you? How many hours? On a, on a set? Yeah. Usually between 12 and 14 hours of shooting. But getting to the set at least an hour early to prepare, figure right. out what I'm going to shoot, and a couple hours after that, prep, prepping for the next day. So, pretty long day. But you're so, as you know, you're so high on adrenaline. Yeah, you it's don't hard feel to sleep it until too. Yeah, yeah, you don't feel it until the next, until the movie's uh, done shooting. I will, I will say uh, uh, that um, the post production blues is a real thing. Because you are detoxing mm -hmm. from all that adrenaline you've been flying yeah. on for so long. 
I know that from theater, and we know that you go yeah. through this like yeah. depression. I never thought about it as a scientific thing. I go. I thought I, I just missed yeah. my friends. <laughs> <laughs> they were never your friends. Uh, it's, it's, like, yeah. it's like signing a yearbook in high school. It's like yeah, keep yeah, in yeah. touch. We'll be friends forever. And you're yeah. like, who? Yeah. On yeah. like, I was there for four months in New Orleans, and then I went home, and I was like, one week of like no auditions. I'm like, I'm the worst person ever. <laughs> I cannot act. What's happening? You know? Oh, it's miserable. So, Adam, you worked with your dream star, of course, Burt Reynolds. Uh, who is who is your next dream star? And don't Who's, say Meryl Streep. <laughs> the next dream star to work with who is alive and available yep. to work Ooh, with? Yep. Boy, that's a great question. That's a great question. All the actors listening are like, is it me? Is it me? Is it me? <laughs> no, that's a big, big question. That's though. a big question. That's what we do here. Because there's so <laughs> many. There's so many people. There had like, to be one that popped up Well, the, the one was Burt Reynolds, of yeah, course. Right. You know. Right. So if I had to narrow down the next one. Who's... Lonnie Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell Burt. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, you hmm. know. God, I, 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 uh, let me list someone who's dead. Okay. Let me yeah. list someone who's dead. Yeah, yeah. I've always wanted to make a Vincent Price movie. Oh. This is so <laughs> such a small world. So Victoria Price has done the show many times. Oh, wow. So she just wrote her uh, another book, but she wrote the biography. When she has been on the show, it's so captivating. Like you could hear a pin drop because yeah. her stories are so loving of her fathers. And how many Hollywood kids do that? Yeah. Vincent Price was such uh, a unique person that we didn't even know. His love for art and his love for cooking. But he was like, he was like, the fun guy who was life of the party yeah. and talk about a business guy who did any type of project that he felt passionate about, whether yeah. he had didn't have a trailer that he had to wait in his car in between yeah. scenes yeah. or the major studio. Talk about somebody's career who went up and down. Absolutely. I'm going to hook you guys up. You guys should I'd have love a conversation. It. I would love it. I love Vincent Price. And prior to becoming obsessed with Burt Reynolds, before that, when I was younger, my first love of movies was a love of monster movies mm. and all the Vincent Price movies were just magic to me. You 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 have to talk to her. I'd love you to. You have to, and her her life stories with him are, are just amazing. That'd be great. All right, what is the most overrated film in your opinion? You're just like really that movie. Mm, the most overrated film. It could be an older movie, so you don't like her. <laughs> <Yeah. feelings. laughs> the most overrated film. You're you're asking very tr tricky questions <laughs> that are tough to just pull answers out. Um, yeah, I got, are you a fan of science fiction? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> no pressure. Um, how about if I tell you, in my opinion, one of the most underrated films? Okay, great. May I? Yeah. There's a film uh, by, speak, somebody brought up, you brought up uh, uh, Sunset Boulevard, yes. directed by the great Billy Wilder, Billy one of the great directors of all time. He directed a film called Ace in the Hole, which is, in my opinion, one of the most underrated films of all time, was never the big hit that Sunset Boulevard was. It stars Kirk Douglas as a mm -hmm. newspaper man stuck in Albuquerque because he was fired off of every newspaper in major cities because of his temper. And what he does to try and milk a story to get himself back in the good graces of the big time papers. Film noir, really nihilistic film noir. I absolutely love that film. All right, everybody check out uh, Ace in the Hole. Ace in the Hole. It's also called The Big Carnival. It was released Two times, two huh. different titles. Huh. But uh, Ace in the Hole is... Uh, is uh, The Big Carnival is, I think, the original title. Ace in the Hole is the title that people know most. But both are the same movie. Is this like an Edge of Tomorrow, Live, Die, Repeat situation? Where, like, that mm. title didn't work, we'll just change it? Uh, well, I, guess, I guess so, yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. 
All right. Now, where can our viewers uh, follow you, and where can where where can they see you? On Twitter, I'm at Adam Rifkin. On Instagram, I'm at Adam underscore Rifkin. Mm. I'm on Facebook, but I think I'm full on Facebook. But I think people can follow you on Facebook, yes. even if they're not friends with I you. I follow right? you. You didn't oh, okay. accept my friendship. Great. You're like, who's this? <laughs> <laughs> it took it took a while for me. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't see his request when I tagged you and it said, "Oh, not your friend," or like, however, I was like, I'm so mad. <laughs> I even texted you. I was like, Arr. I know he texted me right away. You didn't do it, and I'm like, I didn't see it. It's like my girlfriend wouldn't let me. But I think that that pretty much sums it up. Those three. Nice. And Friday, where can we stream your film? Uh, well, it is open in New York and L.A. theatrically, and it is also what's called a day and date release, which, speaking, somebody brought up Steven Soderbergh earlier. He kind of pioneered that with some of his films. It is available on all platforms simultaneously, but theatrically it is in New York and L.A., and then the following week it's in a bunch more cities, then the following week it's in a bunch more cities, nice. and we'll see what happens after that. Uh, so awesome. What a fun night of like talking about like real stuff. <laughs> Next week we're back to more drag queens and, and <laughs> ridiculousness. No. Uh, thank you so much, our, our viewer. Kurt, thank you so much. Kurt with a C, thank you for your pun. Uh, all right. We'll see you next Tuesday. <laughs> this has been On the Rocks with Alexander. Every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on Universal Broadcasting Network. Find me on Facebook on On the Rocks Radio Show. Tweet me or Instagram me at On The Rocks On Air. See you next Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs>